1: One House is a recruitment firm providing a tailored talent search to hospitality operators throughout the country. Empowered Hospitality provides human resources services to the restaurants and hotel sector, empowering operators with knowledge, guidance, and time. Together, we are Recruit, Retain, Relax. Retain, relax. Welcome, welcome to Recruit, Retain, Relax with yours truly, Mike Hewitt from One House and Sarah Deal from Empowered Hospitality. We are here to discuss the current staffing dilemma in the hospitality sector, obviously, and uh, what's changing, what's trending, how can operators react and adapt. Uh, we will focus on recruitment and retention with an emphasis on quality of life and other critical variables. Sarah and I are active founders and operators of national hospitality, recruiting, and human resource consulting companies servicing all sectors, uh, from Michelin-starred to mom-and-pop startups, uh, giving us a unique outlook and intel on this subject. And now, let's welcome our guests today. We have Rick DeMarco, Chief Operating Officer for Colt Soho Street Cart, turned multi-unit darling Calexico, and Kate Edwards, Hospitality Consultant service expert, and executive coach. Welcome, welcome. Thank you. Nice to be here. Thank you. Lovely to have you. Exciting. Um, So let's just get right into it. We're going to start with a little bit of recruitment, and then we'll move over to retention questions. Uh, First one, and again, you can answer at your discretion. Uh, How much or little should prior experience weigh into the hiring process? Kate, what do you think?
2: Well, let me tell you, I had a client that decided to do all the hiring based on personality, and it was a hotel restaurant. And the challenge was we didn't actually get in the space till like the day we did the f- friends and family. And that was really like probably the worst possible choice. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so, my feeling is that you should hire based on personality or a connection to your brand if you are already open and you already have your methods and your structure and your steps of service worked out because then it's easier to train those things by demonstrating those things live. Um, I think if you're Mm -hmm. opening it's a little more secure for you to hire people who have background knowledge because it takes so much to understand what makes a great experience at the table and those steps of service and the requisite knowledge it takes just to set a plate down gracefully on a table or even know the difference between a bourbon and a whiskey when somebody's asking you questions that takes years sometimes to develop those skills so i'm an advocate for you know a little more training if it's your first rodeo and you don't need as much of that background knowledge if you've done this before if you've had a restaurant that's been open for a little while
3: that
1: makes sense obviously and you know looking at those character traits personality Integrity, all those kind of intangibles, right? Aside from the skill set that make a potential hire, you know, a win or a fail, right? Right. It's important. Um, Curious, uh, do you have any metrics, or have you figured out a way to say, okay, these things worked, or out of X amount of candidates, you know, this is what worked with most of them? Or um, curious if that is something that uh, can be, you know, put on a spreadsheet per se, right?
2: Well, my big thing is, and this is this is true of any business, but in terms of hiring and, and retaining people. In, in particular, it's to me, it's really about your mission, your core values, your, the culture that you build. So when you're hiring, I always advocate for asking questions that go back to the values, because the values are how you live in the culture mm-hmm. of your business. So you have to be able to find questions that are going to either open people up to share how they... Collaborate and col- correlate with the values that you already have, or they're going to demonstrate through through sharing their stories that they don't really get it or they don't really understand. So things like you know typical things like you know the idea of teamwork or working together, you want to get someone talking about how they work together, and you know it needs to be a an open enough question that people can say, oh gosh, I want to tell you all about that, or mm-hmm. yeah, maybe mm, nah, not so much. They're gonna they're gonna demonstrate through those questions if they're your speed or not.
1: That makes sense. Excellent. In your
2: experience, what's the best way
4: to develop a balance between the skill-based questions and the culture-based questions? Is it having a consistent list that you're asking to every candidate? Is it riffing on different themes? What are What's your advice for an operator who's trying to figure out how to run this process correctly?
2: Great question. Um, generally, I think you've got to you've got to find out if that if the person you know does have the experience that they they do know know the job. Um, so that's I would say that's probably sixty percent of it or sixty five percent, and then I'd say the rest needs to be culture. You know, you really you're going to understand more about how that person not only treats the people in your business and your business but how they understand hospitality and how they want to give hospitality and i think in in the restaurant world so much of hospitality is the culture there's an internal hospitality that's so important and then there's the external hospitality which is just a reflection of how we act and how we treat people inside so I, that to me is a pretty hefty piece good
1: point i mean we talk a lot these days about fake news but there's also fake resumes right and, then, right. and so the skill part right you want to see is this person really who they say they are right. have they done this job before do they have the hard skills to actually get the job done once you get that out of the way then you're like okay is this person actually sane are they team you know collaborators are they you know will they fit into this culture or not so i think that's uh yeah it's a combination of both uh rick calexico such a great company great culture as well very unique uh, what's your take on on that as far as uh yeah prior experience versus more of a personality traits
3: Well, the first thing we look for is what we call the hospitality gene. So if you're sitting across Mm -hmm. from someone and they're making great eye contact and they smile when they talk to you, that's telling you a lot about who they are as a person just at the table. Mm
0: -hmm.
3: I couldn't agree more, though, about the fake resumes and when people are talking about their experience, how that translates is going to be different with every individual. So what we found is that actually the second phase of our process is a trail where they actually work, they follow Mm -hmm. somebody, How how quickly they pick that up and how well they fit in with their teammates, which is really what it comes down to, is that if our employees are raising their hand and saying, this person's great, we like them, all right, well then they can be part of the team because ultimately that's, that's a good point. That's like a snapshot make that decision,
1: uh, right? Of how they're going to be. If you were to hire them, you have the, that couple hours of kind of checking them out in action,
3: uh, to see how they would be, right? That's as employees right. Can supporting. they run food? Do they know how to hold plates? Are they smiling when they're dropping the plates mm-hmm. and asking someone if they need just the basics? Yeah. Are they doing those things easily? And that tells us, True. Most Back of, of the story. house as well, right? How Back clean of, is their station? Are they? How's the dishwashing? How are they treating people? Like, absolutely. Do they fit yeah. in? Do they know how to use a knife? Are they comfortable walking behind the line, and jumping in and helping and being part of a team?
2: I also think that's such a great thing for um, just that barometer of. Can the person get here for a trail? Because that tells you if they're interested in taking the time to learn. Because it's a two-way street. I've always said to people when I've invited them to trail or observe, it's like a, your chance to see does this place work for you. As much as it mm. our, is, it our chance to see are you going to work for us.
1: That's right. So I think that's such a
2: great hurdle yeah. for people to get over. And once they get over that, that's that's True. a that's a that's a great first first test
1: that's a good point and i think a big trend uh, that has changed and i've seen at least in the last decade where it was much more employer centric right they had the final say you were basically if you were going in for a job you were almost like please hire me where now right it's definitely more of an even playing field and the candidate it's really a two-way street right do i even want to be working here right right and and again we always talk about the millennials right and and their flighty nature but um and you (laughs) have to cater to them at some point right They're the future but Yeah. It's like, what can I do in in my culture, in my restaurant to have someone that wants to stay here, you know, that actually wants to work here. So interesting. What about, um, as far as identifying people inside your current culture, we talk about recruitment, right? Always looking out of your four walls, right? Let me find someone. Let's see someone from another city or someone from a similar background or similar restaurant. But what about the people that you have internally, right? Um, identifying someone that potentially could be a good trainer someone that could be rise up to that leadership role and say you know what this server or this bartender or this sous chef or you know someone you know has shown incredible you know experience and expertise and care and passion for training the younger or new less experienced people under them um what do you do internally right in a restaurant to identify those people those rock stars that could be trainers? For you. Well I
2: think there's sort of three main things. One is um, passion for and representation of the brand. So are they a brand ambassador? Do they take pride mm-hmm. in walking the walk and showing up and interacting with their guests and sharing it? Because they're more likely to, to be rah-rah about it with the new guy um, or new guy or gal. And then I think the second important thing is are they somebody who's a sharer? Are they somebody who's willing to share information and willing to share best practices? Mm-hmm. Um, so they're, they're gener- they have a generous spirit about them. And then I'd say the next one is, do do they know the rules? Do they do they uphold the steps of service and the, the rules in the operation? And are they showing the correct way versus the, oh, you'll be fine. The shortcut. Yeah, yeah. I think That's your point,
4: point about um, do they show up, meaning are they on time, are they committed, are they consistent, is a really big one because I often see um, clients choosing people to promote who have the right qualities the right character but not necessarily just the commitment to working a manager's schedule right so at a baseline mm-hmm. it's maybe flipping those things kind of the way you explained Kate the interview process being 60% skills based maybe that internal promotion should also be 60% skills based or you know surrounding the requirements of the role Right. Uh, because it's a big compromise, and often it takes a step back in compensation. It takes a step back in your schedule flexibility. So it's a big commitment beyond just having the right um, character traits. Too. Right.
3: Training is absolutely, that is that is the foundation for everything that we do. So if somebody's going to become a trainer, what I have found is typically they actually love to train people. Mm-hmm. They mm-hmm. really enjoy the act of showing somebody how to do things Teaching them the right way to do it. And that's if they're if they're not doing that, they shouldn't you know, they shouldn't be training. They might be as superb at whatever position they're they're in, but that doesn't mean that they should be training people. Training people requires, I think you said use the word generous, have mm-hmm. a generous spirit, really want to connect and show someone and take a lot of pride in seeing that individual's progress and ultimately and hopefully their success. That's a good point. I mean sometimes, you know, people are thrown into it and they don't have
1: that passion for training where you have like a new hire and they're like, Okay, you, today you're gonna shadow Jimmy over there, right? And Jimmy's like, Oh, here we go. Now I gotta have some guy you know, following me around the whole day. It's not really what they wanna do. They're kinda rolling their eyes. That's not the training, you know, that's not the sharing type of person. They'll go right. through the motions, but maybe that's not something where, you know, another person would be like so excited, like, Okay, let's do this. I can't wait to show you how they okay, this is the Mise en place, this is the station, this is what we do here. Um, and it shows honestly, and that enthusiasm is contagious as we know. So someone on their first couple days when they see that kind of action, you know, they get turned on, they, they actually want to stay there.
4: To reinforce what Rick said, being the best server doesn't necessarily mean you'll be the best trainer, Right. likewise with managers. So it's that person who has that desire to nurture and to teach and to be patient, um, which I think we often don't equate with being a trainer. It's like, okay, you're the best server, so now you're going to graduate and become a trainer. It's just not something that everyone has a passion for.
1: That's right. Yeah, I mean, that. I mean, obviously it's important, you know, when you're looking outside of your four walls, you're looking at resumes, you're seeing, okay, this person has been a trainer before. As we know, that's not going to automatically translate to integrating into your culture, right? They may have trained XYZ. Maybe it's a similar brand, but it's just not going to... Be the same in that culture versus someone that you have working for you internally. Um, and you have a chance to promote that person and give them that leadership role. So in sense, you're creating your own pipeline from within, which is always healthy and always better. So excellent. Um, I think we're going to move over to some retention. All right. With Sarah.
4: Here we go. So mm-hmm. I want to talk a little bit about the word training and the concept of training. What does it mean when we talk about training? What does that include? Uh, When we talk about building a training program, what should an operator imagine as part of that training program? Maybe, Kate, if you want to take
2: that one first. Sure. So when I'm working with a new client who's opening a new business, um, we have two phases of what we offer in terms of the training program. So one is the pre-opening program, which is going to be a week or two, hopefully two, of everything you need to know to uh, be a server, busser, runner, hostess, manager in this business, which is gonna be a little bit different than post-opening training, which is going to be you're, you're coming in, the restaurant's up and running, and now you have to learn things as, you, as an observer and as a participant, which is a little bit different than some schoolroom uh, sort of training that comes out of the pre-opening training program. But that being said, um, gosh, there's so many pieces. One would be the um, who we are and, uh, you know, the story of the business. So that would be like, where did this come from? So I imagine, Rick, you have a a very cool story for the origination of your business. And what does it mean to be in this restaurant versus another restaurant? I think that's really important. Um, That would be the the culture, the the mission, the core values, and, and how we treat people internally and externally. Then that would be the nuts and bolts of doing the job. Um, that could be the steps of service. That could be the menu training. That could be all that fun stuff. Um, and I always like to have an FAQ section, so frequently asked questions. So whether it's, you know, where's the best place to park my car when somebody asks you or, you know, um, what's the name of that painting on the wall because everybody mm-hmm. asks. Those things that you you can have the quick answer to because people are going to ask you that stuff. Now, when you first open, you don't know what everybody's going to ask you. But, you know, when you are open, yeah, you should have that FAQ sheet. That's
1: like proactive, you know, yeah. before. They ask.
2: Yeah. In terms of the ongoing piece of
4: it, and it's interesting, you said a schoolroom style, there's definitely a distinction between what I think we often envision as training, which is that academic style of training, mm-hmm. and what actually happens in a restaurant, which is very much in the mm-hmm. operation. So, Rick, how does training show up for you at Calexico?
3: So we divide our training also, new store opening and ongoing training. And the materials are not, they're not significantly different as you would expect. It's more the process that's different. Um, We start with a very serious orientation. Takes about an hour and a half to walk somebody through the orientation, which is telling them who we are, where we came from, what our core values are, and why they're important to us. We think that that really sets the table for a long-term relationship, and it also allows us to refer back to that orientation because we actually have people sign off that they agree with these core principles and, you know, doing the right thing all the time. Um, after that, once again, having the right person doing the training. Training materials are great. We all need training materials, but to me, that's that's the minor side of it, actually using them, having a schedule, and making sure that at the beginning of every day, every trainee knows what's expected of them, Mm -hmm. and recapping it at the end of the day so that they're really getting all the information that they need and they're getting feedback about how they're doing. So it's really that process to me is the most important because if you follow the plan, you're gonna get results. And, And results could be maybe this isn't the right person, or this person is going to be just fine and should be part of our team.
2: Yeah, when I have new clients so they're first-time restaurateurs and we talk about the training program, they always want to be shorter than I recommend, but I always try to remind them that it's also insurance for them. If mm. if you if most of your team can get to this point of being on their own in whatever role that is after xyz days um, and it allows you when somebody can't do it it's a very clear sign that oh this person really isn't up to speed or they're not spending the time they need to or it's not a fit somehow and that allows you to not not proceed right so you don't have to stick you, with cut, people your losses, because, yeah, you right? cut your losses yeah you cut your losses exactly that makes sense
1: i mean it's cool that it's structured like that like, like you're saying the expectations right it's about setting expectations and from, um, from a trainee standpoint, you get there, okay, what am I doing today? What do they expect from me? It's great that you have that skeleton, right, of a, of mm-hmm. a schedule. And if things do go south, at least um, you know where it is, right? You're like, okay, this obviously wine knowledge, we got to review this. But he or she was great at greeting the table and the first, you know, drinks and things like that. So you can actually pinpoint where they went wrong and maybe try to salvage the situation. Right. Which is always nice mm-hmm. before uh, 86ing someone yeah. hire
3: hard train hard manage easy party hard oh, no, that's Ooh, nice. I like that. <laughs> right I mean that's what it comes down to do your work nice. up front to hire the right people mm-hmm. put in the time training them those are big commitments but if you do that your opportunity you know to manage quote unquote easy
2: <laughs> right
3: that's that's how you get there. That's by, uh, by that's the relax
1: team. of recruit, retain, relax. Exactly. <laughs> the last one. In
4: terms of going back to the training program and what uh, components are key to that, how about the who of training? So, Kate, you lead trainings for hospitality companies. So, you could have a professional externally come in and uh, bring their expertise in that area. What else works? In ter- I'm curious, Rick, we have actually the privilege of working with you at Colexico, and I've seen the engagement that your managers have in training. And Kate, I'm curious from your perspective who within the company is really the um, kind of the hero of the training department? Who is it who's um, delivering that, owning that mission? Who do you feel most effectively? owns that function
2: to me it depends on the restaurant you know there's certain places where the, the GM or the DO wants to own that stuff mm. and then there's other places where they parcel it out to different um, you know segmented managers so it could be the sous chef it could be a floor manager it could be a bar manager um, so to me it really depends on the operation but in terms of like a, a training that you do when the whole team's there and you're a new new restaurant Yeah, it's great to have an outsider come in and share their expertise, and they might have a certain method um, that they do. But I know that I like to have people who are on the inside, again, do the training. Mm -hmm. So the bartender should really conduct that training about the drinks and the the spirits behind the bar. The wine director should definitely do the wine training. The chef should come out and do some, uh, you know, cool culinary training. Um, And also if you can get any of your partners to show up. To help you with that stuff too, the coffee people come to talk about coffee, the tea people come to talk about tea, um, but any sort of experts, uh, whether they're under your roof or they're just a stone's throw away, I think that's really helpful to bring people in and give them a little extra nugget of knowledge. You'd be that surprised, they can keep though. Or share.
1: I mean, that kind of like obvious, you know, logic. A lot of restaurants don't follow that, right? Just like the end user, right? Like you said, the bar manager should be training the bartenders, the you know, the service manager or service director should be training the you know, service. I've seen a lot of restaurants that, yeah, they don't follow that. Maybe it is a GM trying to do everything or trying to train. Maybe it's been years since that person actually worked that station and perhaps they're not the right ones. Um, but it could be scary as a consultant coming in and helping and, and not identifying, like what Sarah's question, who's gonna preserve that when you're not there? Correct, like, yeah, that's Because it's great when you're exactly there right. and you're like everyone's listening, taking notes, great, friends and family, everything's awesome, great opening week, you move on to another project, Maybe you come back two months later, wow, you know, what happened here? Mm-hmm. It's because maybe you don't have that go-to person that's going to be the gatekeeper for you. And all that training you did, maybe just go south. You well, know, that's if you don't now, have that last yeah, person. The, that's a
2: question that happens way up front. Mm-hmm. You know, who's who's my go-to? And then it's... Uh, who's my know, mini-me when I'm yeah, not here? Yeah, and also building the program with that person. Mm-hmm. That creates ownership, which then all of a sudden now it's not just my baby, it's their baby Accountability, too. Accountability. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. yeah, really, that makes a big difference is having that internal guy or gal. Rick, how about from the standpoint of Colexica what works for you? Who
4: owns your training program?
3: So the the senior team owns the training program for us. So the director of operations, director of culinary operations, they own it. That said, we spread that ownership. So the We want the general manager and the kitchen manager to be free to actually be part of the training and not be bogged down with all the details. So we typically have somebody handling all the administrative work to support them. And then we have our trainers. And the trainers are actually very interactive. They're taking turns on the things that are general across the board for everyone. They're taking turns leading those segments of the training program and then we break off and we have you know the bar trainer the server trainer the line cooks trainer they break off into groups and then they focus on that phase and then when we come back together once again we're sharing we're sharing those duties and we're actually putting out the trainers we want them to take a big big part in this because often they're going to stay in the store and continue to be involved with it so that we want them to be seen in a leadership role. We want them to connect with the staff in a in a really positive way and be a person that they'll come to. And that's kind of setting the table for that person also should they decide they want to continue their career. It's setting them up for, you know, to become managers for us.
4: And in terms of a restaurant where you feel the training is working really well that it, and I know there's one location where you train most of your new managers. What is it that makes it work so well in that one operation?
3: It's a team effort. So all of the managers are on the same page about how to train people. So it doesn't matter if you're following the general manager or the assistant GM, you're getting the same experience. There it's a very consistent message that is constantly, you know, being preached and the expectations of what your follows, you know, what your trails look like, what your, what your shifts look like, are really set. And then the managers have to recap how the experience was. And they all take it seriously. So we have constant, excellent feedback. And so does the trainee. They're getting the same. They're getting that feedback.
4: Mm-hmm. So there's a feedback loop that reinforces how important training is. That's right. That's great. That's right. So in terms of return on investment, I know mm-hmm. one of the biggest, thresh, the biggest um, leaps of faith for an operator in developing a really thorough training program is understanding what benefit the company will receive as a result of the investment. And there's an investment of time, the time your managers spend, the money that you spend on uh, an employee who has sometimes weeks worth of training before they're fully functional. It's
1: insurance on retention. That's basically it.
4: Well, so yeah, that's the question. So do you feel that there's an impact uh, on retention, on other areas, financially for the company, on guest service? How do you see the benefit of training showing up and and how do you justify the investment that you make in training?
3: At the end of the day, it's all about the guest experience, right? And if you don't train people and you don't have a consistent guest experience happening for everyone who walks through your door, so one day you come in and it's great because you got a great person and the next time you come in and it's not so good, you're hurting your business. If you want to develop a business that's lasting and meaningful and part of a neighborhood, then you need to make the investments in people. Because as owners and managers, we can't touch every table, but our employees do. Dishwashers, making sure the dishes are clean. So, and glasses are sparkling, are equally as important as how people are greeted at the door. So, you know, we've got somebody who's smiling and saying hello and taking care of people. And we've got great service and great food. All of that is the result of training people. And ultimately, if the guest experience is great, we do well.
4: Do you feel that you've seen an increase in your retention as a result of your training?
3: It's hard to say because the training programs have been in place for a long time, um, and you know the the uh, the pool, the employee pool, is shrunk you know 10 years ago we had a lot more people vying for a position whatever that position was from manager to dishwasher we had we just had a lot more people walking through the door today we have fewer people so the competition is a little greater actually on our side to try and get the best people we're competing Uh, in the past we used to make them compete now we're competing and um, you know that's that's something that's changed pretty dramatically for all of us in yeah. the industry
1: we've discussed this at you know in, in previous shows as well right i mean it's uh, the hospitality industry as a whole kind of took a hit uh with again it could be a new generation it could be other variables but there's other sectors that the young people coming out of culinary school or deciding not to go to culinary school altogether are, are moving to other industries um and then obviously yeah the talent pool is shorter everyone's fighting for, you know, the three people that are left in the talent pool and then wondering, okay, now I have this person. How do I keep them, right? Mm-hmm. How do I retain them? And I think that was really when Sarah and I talked about, you know, having the show really was about that, right? It's not just, okay, great. We can find you great people. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, a- after a couple of weeks, a couple of months, we'll find the right person. But now as a client, what are you doing for them not to be calling us the recruiters a month later, get me out of here. It's an absolute shit show.
2: Well, I think that's the thing, the word that was coming to mind, Rick, when you were speaking was the idea of integrity, because there's so many uh, different jobs that anybody on any level can go and get. Mm -hmm. And if you do have integrity, you're going to look for a place that has it as well. So when you show up at a place where it's like, here's our program, here's what we go to, here's our list of values, and we need you to sign off on that, because we want to make sure that this is something you're interested in, too, that says to somebody, oh, these people mean it and then you're going to see that they mean it mm-hmm. by the process and the way the people internally are, are you know connecting or interacting with one another so that, that you're going to attract people who have that same yeah. level of integrity if you have a less stringent training program you might get people who are like I hear you make great money here you know I'm going to just going to you know, make my bank Mercenary. and get out of here yeah. right or they might be like you know uh, I've got like three jobs and they won't even care if I call in sec two days a week like exactly. they don't have their act together so you're going to attract you know like attracts like so I think I think it's yeah. it's really but it's about that integrity and you saying no this is what our business does that's gonna pull the people who are like that's what I was looking for mm-hmm. because I know back in my day when I was a waitress the big test was can you hold a tray not did you do this before Not have you worked great places <laughs> not you yeah. know can you sell <laughs> or do you even yeah, care you're like but five can champagne you hold a tray? Flutes, take them over yeah, there. exactly <laughs> that, that was the thing so can you walk across the room yeah you got the job that's <laughs>
1: Interesting, and right. again all and this when can pr- you
2: start and your, your first shift is tomorrow
1: e- okay exactly And this is pre Me Too movement. This is again. This isn't like your pirate ship, Anthony Bourdain type kitchen environments that you know back 20 years ago were acceptable, right? It's a totally different environment now in the hospitality industry, and some of the people that maybe were attracted to that or having that kind of lifestyle, maybe maybe that's also shaved away, you know, some potential candidates or or other people. So it's uh it's interesting. We'll see where it goes from here. Uh, But where we're going, we're actually going on a break right now. That's where we're going. So we're going on a little break, and we'll be back in a minute.
5: Setting the table begins long before the glassware is polished, before the china is set, spotless on the table. Setting the table begins with selecting the right people for your team. Everything flows from the expertise, innate hospitality, and critical thinking of the people who act as ambassadors to your guests every day. With One House, a recruitment firm providing a tailored talent search to hospitality operators, finding the right people is a simple recipe. One House identifies, contacts, and interviews prospective talent and conducts pre-hire reference checks. One House also assists in curating chef-tasting menus and liaises between candidate and operator throughout the interview process. Empowered Hospitality delivers human resources solutions to growing hospitality companies, presenting solutions that empower owners and operators with the knowledge, guidance, and time to better grow their businesses. EMPOWERED HOSPITALITY SOLUTIONS INCLUDE A FULLY OUTSOURCED HR DEPARTMENT, A LA carte RECRUITMENT, COMPLIANCE, AND HR HOTLINE SERVICES, TRAINING AND EDUCATION, AND STRATEGIC ADVISEMENT.
1: AND WE ARE BACK. ALL RIGHT. BACK TO RECRUIT, RETAIN, RELAX. AND WE'RE NOW AT THE RELAX SECTION. So we're going to relax a little bit with a couple little quickfire questions, right? We're going to start with Kate. Uh, doesn't mean you have to answer in like two seconds, but it's kind of a quickie. Um, on relaxation, when you're working, right, you're working on your training manuals, you're working on your SOPs, et cetera, music, what music do you listen to? A little classical, a little bossa nova, a little reggae, jazz or silence? What's your...
2: I'm a silence yeah, person. Yeah, silent worker. But it doesn't have to be silence. Like I like to be at work in a in a like a, a little hive okay. vibe is okay for me. Like I like hearing sort like of co Yeah. Other people doing stuff. Yeah. Yeah.
3: But no music.
1: No. All right.
2: Cool.
3: No. Got it. Not Rick? Pre nineteen sixty Miles Davis. Ooh. Nice.
2: That's
1: a good one. That gets you in the mood, right? It's mellow enough, it's not too crazy. You can gets all my creative yeah. juices going. It's great. <laughs> Horn sections. All right. Love it. That's a good one. Very cool. What about you, Sarah? All right. No, no. What about oh, you? Oh, music? Yeah.
4: Um, hmm. I tend to agree with Kate. Uh, I do Silence. like a nice silent room. Um, mm-hmm. But I also enjoy... Um, I'm into this... Uh, pandora station called hipster barbecue radio of course you do oh my god <laughs> it's a good blend it's upbeat it's happy i'm gonna make a t-shirt me, with that keeps me jiving while i'm working on That's my funny.
1: hr wow i'm 1960s bosa a little bosa nova uh, a little yeah. brazilian little down tempo uh it's nice um now this is a question that uh i know my wife and i have argued many many times before cheese plates Is it pre-dinner cheese plate? Is it appetizer cheese plate? Or is it after dessert or pre-dessert cheese plate? Okay.
2: Uh, it's the meal man it's
1: <laughs> I'm going i make cheese plate. plates before I, dinner yeah, That's like pre- i'm
2: eating <laughs> cheese for the meal with the bread and the olives and the little components yeah. and i want it almost as a meal but yeah i would do it beforehand too like if we have people over we'll put out a cheese plate
1: in europe they do the whole like tray with the cheese and that's usually like yeah. dessert time yes. right you do the like the it's four the or five cheese tasting thing got it rick pre-dinner pre-dinner
3: Depending, I mean, right. there are t- times tree, where it's cheese. exactly, but there are times when it's appropriate that it becomes mm. a more integrated part of the meal. Sure, just depends on what the meal is centered on. But typically, pre-dinner. But everyone thumbs up on cheese. Yeah, <laughs> totally love cheese in general. <laughs> yeah.
4: All right, uh, follow up. We're talking about cheese. Might as well talk about wine.
1: Yeah. If
4: you were going to go stomp grapes, uh, in one of the world's wine regions where would you want to go
2: freak out
3: it's a tough one there's so many great regions
1: <laughs> and think about the culture right you, you, yeah. let's say that you're like 23 it's a nice summer you're out there in wherever Mendoza and you know we in Rioja region or where Where
3: would you go I'd go to Tuscany nice I'd go stomp you Rape will not find Chianti. any arguments from us yeah. Yeah.
2: sounds pretty good yeah
3: Pretty good. Pretty Kate, good how summer. About
2: you? I'm thinking the Rhone. Mmm, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. lovely. Rhone Valley red,
4: white. Mm-hmm. Bring it. Yeah. Nice. So nice. We're gonna take a yeah. uh, field trip there after the show. Oh,
2: fantastic.
4: Um, <laughs> okay, last and final quick fire. What do you bring to a Thanksgiving potluck?
0: Rick.
3: Stuffing.
4: Anything special? Incorporated? Very special. Okay. Special. What is in your? It's my San stuffing? Francisco
3: sourdough stuffing. Mm. I have taught classes. I have been auctioned off at charities <laughs> to wow. teach people how to make. Thanksgiving meal. The stuffing guru. Okay. I You're going to share a the recipe with us, guru. right? Guru. I will give you all of my recipes. I'm just going
4: to <laughs> his house. Uh, <laughs> Interesting. But
1: it, it really is a skill, right? I mean, usually stuffing, uh, I don't know, it's going to be dry, boring. Uh, do I really it's want stuffing? It's difficult
2: to do a good stuffing. Yeah. yeah. It is. That's right. Take
3: skill. That's right. Ooh, that's Kate, a how about you?
2: Um, at first, I was like, wait, I don't have anything. But no, the truth is, since like I first got my hands on the Silver Palette Cookbook, I've made this sweet potato and carrot puree, and the Ooh. key ingredient is sour cream, mm. and it's pureed, smooth, tangy, orange mm. deliciousness wow. wow, that I just can't get enough of. Yeah. I look forward to it every oh year. Oh, my gosh. Mike,
4: how about you? I know you said you're...
1: Yeah, this year, I'm, I'm doing three Thanksgiving dinners back to back, like three days in a row, and I was commissioned to you know, create a dish. So I'm doing like a five-gallon batch of uh, butternut squash soup. Mm. A little grated nutmeg, a little sour cream. Yes. So that's gonna be fun. That's my go-to. It's Swishing around. Yep. Good stuff. What about you?
4: Oh, I'm a Brussels sprouts kind of girl. Okay. So I will fancy up some Brussels sprouts. Nice. Roast them. Um, little like saute in the pan. Maybe some balsamic reduction.
1: Very nice. Just
4: delicious. Lovely. Yeah. Can't wait. Next
1: I, know, week. Right? I know. I know. It's coming up. <laughs> Awesome. Well, yeah, we'd like to thank Rick DeMarco and Kate Edwards for their unique insight, wisdom, and visit to the Heritage Radio Network studio here at Roberta's in Bushwick, uh, Brooklyn. So thank you for, thank you uh, for so coming. Much. Right. you both so much. And for happy
4: advanced Thanksgiving. Yeah, I know. Thank right. Now you. I'm hungry
1: after all this. Uh, we <laughs> might have to eat more pizza at Roberta's, <laughs> yeah. uh, which is a tradition here. Uh, thanks for One House and Empowered Hospitality, our sponsors. You can catch this interview, past and future ones, at Heritage Radio Network. Uh, catch it on iTunes, on Spotify. Again, nice rainy day. You're cleaning the house. You're reading, whatever. Boom. You got background, you know, a little podcast. And Thanks, everyone. Back in March. Thank you. Oh, yeah. See you soon.
0: Thank you. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter.